Hey friends, how does suffering interact with the way of Jesus? You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 295, Ernest Randolph and the Way of the Cross. honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. What's it like being a follower of Jesus in the 21st century? That's what we're trying to find out. And uh, we'll, we're going to do that today. So friends, as always, I'm gl- grateful that you're here. I'm glad that you've downloaded and you're listening to this episode, whatever, whatever app you're in, whatever, whether you're on the website, whatever. I'm so glad that you have downloaded it and found it. If you would, if you enjoy this conversation, and I know you will, would you go out and just share it with a friend? I love every week when I pro- publish an episode, I go to Spotify, there's a little share button, and you can put on your uh, Instagram story, for instance. Just say, hey, I love the show. Share it with your friends. That would mean a lot to me. Tag me. Uh, tag Halfway There Podcast. I would love that, and I will uh, reshare it as well. Okay, so that is all the housekeeping we got to do at the beginning here. I want to share with you our guest. He is a fellow graduate of Denver Seminary. That's where I went and got my Master of Divinity as well. Uh, he spent 35 years working as a youth pastor and a lay pastor, uh, as a Bible study house church leader for the past six years. And he's an author. He wrote a book called Resurrecting the Cross, which you guys know, I'm a sucker for a great title. That's an intriguing title. I like it. Uh, he's also got, uh, he's the father of four kids and husband to a phenomenal wife. Always talk good about your wife. Our guest is Ernest Randolph. Ernest, welcome to Halfway There. Hey, well, thank you. It's um, an exciting privilege. Yeah, it's The podcasts are new to me, so I'm really excited to be on here and, um, and uh, excited to maybe share something with the audience that will help. Yeah, help them along their journey. Absolutely. Well, that's the whole goal. We we help others with their journey by sharing our journey. And I always say you, you know, the show is called Halfway There because uh, we're never done, right? We're never done growing. It's always, uh, you know, always we're always halfway there, right? We're only halfway there because that's what we do. Plus, also, I kind of like Bon Jovi, so that's. uh, that's that's, that's the deal. A little hat tip to him. All right. Well, uh, Ernest, I want to hear your story. Obviously there's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, I gave a bunch of details about you, but there's more to you. Tell me more about kind of where you are right now and, and where, where God has you. Yeah. Um, I kind of broke my life up into 25s. Okay. It's like I, um, the first 25 years I was just, uh, growing up, you know how that is. And, um, and, uh, did some ministry and, and did a few things. Um, but you know, the second 25 years, I kind of went to work and, uh, really, um, just dove into making money, uh, for my family. And, um, and then, um, so that I turned 50 and I'm like, I, I really wanted to get back in full-time ministry and and I feel like, you know, this is a very good transition period for me at, at the time. And so I started writing a book and, and now I'm 54 and, and I got it published. Um, so I, th- I really believe that God wants me back in the ministry and, and communicating the message that he's given me over the life, 
you know, over my lifetime of, of doing small group and youth group and, and small church and stuff. And, and so I'm excited to pursue that. I don't know where he's going though. It's like, you know, I like your title halfway there because it feels like every day I'm reminded that I'm not there yet. Right. And, uh, but, you know, even like some, some people will say, you know, what are you going to do? And, and uh, I'll just, I'm just trusting the Lord to give me the next step. And so I've done some really uh, strange things these past couple of years uh, financially and stuff. So, but I, but it's, I'm kind of living with a different angle. So that's, that's kind of one of the things I share in the book. So, yeah, which is interesting. And I, so I want to definitely hear about that. So, uh, so tell me about like where you are now, like you're, you, cause you're still in Denver, right? Did you grow up here? Uh, I grew up in small town, Wyoming and a little town called Grable, Wyoming. And then I lived in Cody, Wyoming for a couple of years. Right. And then I lived in Billings, Montana for a couple of years. So oh, you're a child I'm, of the I'm West. Like, yeah. 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 So we ran around there for a while and then, um, yeah, I came down here to go to school and, as uh, my, uh, you know, graduated from high school, came here to go to Colorado Christian University and then, um, graduated from there, went away for one year to North Carolina and then been back ever since. So this has been my home for quite a while. Yeah. It's a good place to be as speaking as a Denverite, uh, <laughs> a transplant also. Yeah, exactly. You can't beat exactly. the weather. We were talking about skiing earlier, right? That's good stuff here. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 My aunt owned um, Sleeping Giant Ski Lodge in Cody, Wyoming. So um, we, we did, I got the opportunity to learn to ski when I was in third grade because uh, she gave me free skiing. So that's we didn't cool. have a lot of money. I had to have three bucks for the bus. That's all I needed. Nice. <laughs> this is, yeah. So I love that. Yeah. And you're a business owner too, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've owned an electrical company since 1997. So, and worked as electrician. My father was electrician, trained me to be electrician. And uh, I just kind of pursued that alongside of ministry. It was better than waiting tables. And uh, so and not that that's a bad profession. It just wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, um, well, it pays yeah. better too. And you probably have to yeah, deal with yeah. less uh, customer service issues. Let's put it that way. <laughs> exactly. Instead of you have one customer instead of 30. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. So, okay. Let's dive into a little bit of your story. You grew up in Wyoming. Was it a Christian family? What was it like? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. It, they're, they're, uh, curious stories. Like my mother was a strong woman and, uh, odd family it's in the sense that my father was not he, he was a different kind of man for sure and what, uh, what does that mean so um he was very violent very angry but also loving and violent at the same time so it's it's a very confusion confusing kind of thing that's so but um so my mother had me in the morning uh got up went home, drove the station wagon home to get the rest of the kids and drove us all to church. What? I was in church my first day of life. Yes. Yes. My mom was a strong woman. She birthed me and <laughs> went and got us for church. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Look, if you get a pass from church anytime, <laughs> giving birth is one yeah. of those days, right? Like, yeah, yep. No, but, uh, uh okay. Well, so tell me why, because there's, there's a story there. There's a reason yeah, it was so important to her to go to church, even even on that day. Wow. And I think, you know, part of it, my mom was really thrifty and didn't want to spend the money to stay in the hospital. Um, and the second part was 
my dad, she had, she drove herself to the hospital and my, and so my father, we couldn't get to church without my other brothers just couldn't get to church unless she went home and got us. And um, so I think she felt, it wasn't like my father made her do it. It was more that she felt like that was her, her duty, you know? And so it's, it's a really weird dynamic with her feeling like she had to do it and the money thing. And then, you know, feeling like, my dad being upset because she took the car to the tree to the hospital, you know, really weird dynamics. And it's hard to explain. And I wasn't obviously there to see the witness the whole <laughs> right, thing. Right, right. <laughs> I well, was just you, coming into the world. Yes. Yeah. So you yeah, but you observe these things as kids, right? And you were told this story. Yeah. Yeah. From my sisters telling me the stories and stuff. Oh yeah. my goodness. That's really yeah. interesting. Okay. So that's an interesting, yeah, so, I, I heard you say you were confused by your family a little bit. So yeah. what, what um, t- tell me more, like, so you're obviously in church, it sounds like. Yeah. So church was a good thing, you know, as far as um, being there, seeing normal people, uh, interacting with people. But, you know, my mother and father fought on the way to church and on the way home every week and so you you get this you get this dialectic of them fighting and you know and sometimes it got physical you know different different situations and um and then going to church you know your dad reads the bible but he yells cuss words you know it's like it's like these kind of confusing things for a child you're like what's going on here but uh, church did help me it it kept me it kept a place to to feel normal, I guess, in a sense. And um, was my it your mom safe loved place? Jesus. What's that? Was it the um, safe place? I don't know. I don't think the church protected us kids as much as they probably should have or could have in this in this world. Mm. You know, it's like not that anybody. I mean, everybody knew my mom, my parents fought, and nobody did anything about it. You know, so it wasn't like, you know, that's in the early seventies. I mean, people just didn't get involved, and. Um, but so, yeah, so I, my safest place was camp every summer. So, because mm. you, you know, away. when I spent, yeah, a week at camp, it was like one normal environment where I spent a whole week. And that was, uh, it's strange enough, but that's probably the safest place. And, and a lot of times my mother would take us and we'd leave and go live someplace else. And it was kind of a weird childhood in that sense. Okay. So we moved a lot. Yeah. So, so you had this kind of tumultuous childhood. How did, how how did Christ come into that picture for you? Um, well, yeah. So my mother um, was a very a very strong believer whole life. Never drank, you know. Just was one of the very um, loved the Lord. But she, she also she had some she had some issues too. I mean, she didn't. She was uh, an interesting person in the sense that she didn't. She made weird decisions you know, not normal decisions about things like getting up in the hospital and driving your child to, to the hospital. I mean, she, but um, at the same time, she loved God and she did everything she could. I mean, like she's, she's funny. A person offered to pay her way to camp when she was a child, if she memorized the book of John. So she memorized the book of John when she was like, yeah, like 13 or 14. So she knew, I mean, she did a lot for us, but she also liked when we were kids, she loved to do, she loved to teach Sunday school. She loved to do child evangelism fellowship. Um, but, you know, and sometimes at that time she had this controversy where if you were divorced, she'd been divorced before her husband divorced her 
and you couldn't work, you couldn't do anything in a church if you were a divorced woman. And so, so, um, so at that point, but, but this sweet lady, old lady, Bertha Van Horn, I don't know if, uh, interesting character, but, um, she, anyway, she had my mom doing vacation Bible schools. And so that's, you know, that's where I first heard the, the message of Jesus, probably four or five years old. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. You know, and they, do you remember uh, child evangelism fellowship? Oh yeah. Do you remember you remember? I yeah, do. yeah. So that was that's where we did vacation Bible school when I accepted Christ when I was a little kid. And so go. we actually had one at our house, which was kind of bizarre. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. So you so you've you know found Christ in that way. It sounds like your mom was trying, like she was she was involved as yeah. much as she could be. What what um so then how as you grew up, like what so what what led you to seminary? Like what was that kind of was it, was that early? Did you go early in, in life or when, when did you, were you there? Yeah, I think um, it might've been like my junior year or whatever. Actually, you know, they, they've got this, uh, you remember um, basic youth conflict seminar with Bill Gothard. Okay. So those, that's an old name, but yeah. then, um, that's it. And they, it always seemed very legalistic. I don't know if it was or not. It I don't was. remember, but it was, it's it okay. was pretty, we can pretty say that. Legalistic. Oh yeah, with with the chisel and the diamond. Come on, the picture. <laughs> God's chiseling us away. Oh man, you know. But actually, it, it's like I went to camp. I think that summer, and and like I really felt a call with the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And so that year, it just felt like God's call in a lot of ways. Where it was kind of a weird call, you know, for a kid that grew up in such a tumultuous life. You know, it's like. My call was I've been through so much. I want to help other kids through struggles and stuff, and and so, and you know, to know to know Christ, and and so, um, that got me in a direction out of architecture and into you know being a youth pastor. And so I and uh, I you know you never know. I I mean I don't know. I, it's a curious life. I don't know if I ever was a great youth pastor. I, I was. I really enjoyed working with junior hires. High schoolers kind of like, they were like, nah, we don't care about you. <laughs> you know, they're probably that way with everybody. But um, so anyway, uh, um, but I still did it. You know, it's a lay person for like 35 years. So it, it's, um, yeah. So, so after, you know, hearing that call and then I chose to go to Colorado Christian University and get my uh, youth ministry degree. And so, um, yeah, a lot of fun stuff you know, happened along the way, a lot of confirmation. I did some, I did like a solo backpacking trip after I graduated high school. Oh, I was wow. on this spiritual little journey, you know, yeah. you know, my, that's one thing I did. My parents a little nervous about, you know, I'm up in the woods by myself for seven, six days, or I don't remember how many days it was, but yeah, it's me and the mountain lions. Yeah. Did you see any? Uh, we could hear them at night. They cry like a baby. You're like, you know, it's oh, like a little baby goodness. cry. That is it's, not... it's a little... Nope. Nope. I, that's a no for me. Well, so I had my hatchet. I bet, oh my gosh. <laughs> They're so big, but, um, okay. Well, that's, that's fascinating. What did you encounter God up there in the, on that trip? You said it was a little bit of a spiritual experience for you. You know, I, on that, I've been dabbling. My mother left the Baptist church for the charismatic church because, um, because she, was not accepted in the Baptist church and well accepted in the charismatic church. So um, I've heard a lot of sermons, how empty gas tanks were filled while driving on empty. Um, but, 
you know, never experienced any of those supernatural things for myself. Like you watch people slay in the spirit and gift of tongues. And so anyway, I was dabbling with tongues, you know, trying to figure out what it was. And, 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 and like that on, on that trip, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, give me the gift of tongues. And yeah, I never, you know, I could make a prayer language, but no, I just always felt like it was me making it. And so I just kind of never walked down that road. Um, and, and yeah, so, you know, in college, you kind of interact with all that, you know, is, are, are, is the gift of tongues after you get saved? You know, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you, when you lay on the hands, you receive it when you get saved, you know, all those different questions are kind of run through your mind. Right. And so I had a lot of questions back then, but so that experience camping and then like that summer, the uh, I, I I signed up to work at, as a camp at the camp I grew up at, in as a camp counselor. So I went there for six weeks, but they needed a, a van to work on. I mean, a van to transport kids to the lake. And so my dad had an old van sitting there. And, and so I prayed, I literally, literally prayed, uh, God, I got $20 and I'm, and I'm, I'm donating, I'm, you know, we $20 in a broken van. I, I, my God, uh, help me get this thing fixed for kids. And so I, I committed to doing it. I prayed. Um, a friend of mine was taking apart a bus for a camper and I, I got free seat frames that I kind of cut and fixed. And then, you know, stuff was cheap back then. I bought like a sheet of plywood for six bucks and, you know, and, um, and then I went to yard sales in Grable, Wyoming, a, a city of 1900 people. And uh, someone was selling seat cover material. And it's like almost a God, God says, like, stop at that yard sale and see if someone's selling seat cover material. Wow. And I did. <laughs> but it was in like one foot strips or two foot strips. <laughs> and so I had to go get it, had to take my sew machine and sew it all together. And uh, and so in the end, I like, and then we had an old foam mattress. I cut it for cushions. And so I fit, fit this van completely illegal, but <laughs> yeah, for 20 kids, for 20 kids could fit in there. And uh yeah. And, and I just felt like it was God, you know, leading me the whole way and kind of building that thing for, for, so for a young, you know, 18 year old, it was like a super cool experience where, and then the whole summer, you know, you're at camp, you know, it's all God for six weeks and, you know, it's, it's all, it, you know, all those experiences just kind of grow you and, 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 uh, form you and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. I hear you were going after kind of just following obediently what God is asking you to do. Uh, with sort of youthful exuberance, right? And, yeah, and experiencing yeah. that. I love yeah. that. So you got your youth men degree. What'd you do after yeah. that? Uh, so youth men degree. Yeah. So I worked at, um, I don't know if you want me to tell me the names of all these places, but it's, it's okay. if that's okay. Yeah. So I worked at Arvada Covenant Church, uh, started my sophomore year, no, my junior year in high school as an intern there and then worked their junior, senior, and then the one, the one year after graduating. And then um, they offered me to continue as the junior high youth intern for $700 a month. And um, so, and I was waiting tables to make, to pay bills. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, can you give me a little more money? And they're like, they're like, no. <laughs> so um, yeah, the dent, the dentist who was in charge uh, told me I didn't, wasn't getting any more money. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh so anyway, i said i went off to north carolina and worked as a, a wilderness youth counselor for a year oh. it was pretty tumultuous yeah it's a little tumultuous you know you're in the woods seven uh, five days a week with those kids like five and a half days and you get off a day and a half and i'm like it was intense so yeah, I, it was very, very, very i did wilderness camp one one year and i think i only did it for a week 
and it was terrifying, right? It was like taking kids well, out in the woods. Yeah, I know. Well, these are delinquent kids, and you live in the woods with chiggers and ticks and the uh, kids, and you know, and you live in these platform tents, and it's like all winter long, and it's it's pretty intense. Yeah. But you so know, some of the kids, I mean, you see them. That is an amazing thing to happen there. It's like this one kid, Oscar. I think that was his name. Um, Arthur was his name. Sorry. Um, he like was just playing the game, you know, trying to, you know, and then he accepted Christ and all of a sudden his life started to change. I'm like, that was so cool that just oh, to wow. see that, that experience from a kid, you know, you could tell they were playing the game cause you're with them all day. And then all of a sudden he's trying, he's honestly trying to be a better kid. And so it was kind of a cool transition. But, yeah. yeah. So what'd that do for your faith? I, I, I think that was a trying time because, you know, I, I was there and when you're isolated socially from, from all your peers, it just is a kind of an interesting, we used to call it a shot of penicillin, you know, it's like something that's kind of good for you, but it's, it's, uh, but yeah, I didn't last very long just cause it's just, it's just a weird environment. And, you know, it's like a year was plenty for me, but I, I think it that there was little things I looked for God in, in those situations, you know, um, uh, the wondering why I was there, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of a, yeah. it was kind of a weird time in my life. And so then I came back and worked, actually worked at Arvada Covenant for another year as, as with the junior hires and then went to seminary and stuff. So a lot of different things, but I have a cool story about seminary too, but go ahead. I'll let you lead things. Well, okay. So tell me that story about, about seminary when you, so you were, came back and you were working with, with youth, but then you decided like seminary was a thing. So Denver seminary was up there on hand at the time. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, um, I got, so I got back and, and then, um, the pastor had told me before I even went to North Carolina, you need to go to seminary. I'm like, that's the last place I want to go. So, so I, then I went and ran off to North Carolina and I came back and, uh, and then I'm like, yeah. And I started working as an electrician, you know, full-time. And I'm like, well, maybe I should, maybe I should go to seminary. And so I, um, I registered for Monday block or no, for evening, weekend and evening classes. I think it was just evening maybe. And then they're like, and then the next semester I had to go to Monday block classes. And I'm like, well, I'm like, told my boss, I'm like, you, I need to have Mondays off. Well, in the electrical construction world, that's not that good of a thing. Yeah. Um, so he's like, you got to choose. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'll just drop seminary. So, and this is the, this is the crazy story. I'm like, I'm going to work that day of registration. You know, the registration day where y'all walk through the lines. I don't, but anyway, I'm going to work registration day and I get there and like it, this, it's, I don't know what was going on. I like, there was a song on the radio. KWBI used to play the weirdest music. It was like this weird Christian music that was kind of, Nobody listened to except for KWBI listener, mm-hmm. listeners, and um, that became K Love later. But um, so there's a song on the radio is like playing. Actually, the words are like, "How can you walk away from me after I've done so much for you?" You know, that's the lyrics, and I'm like, "Oh, that's pretty convicting." Turn yeah. that thing off, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then I get to my job site. You know, we had pagers back then. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I'm sitting at my job site, and I'm there for like an hour, and the guy, my supervisor, doesn't show up. And I'm like, oh, all right. And so I go to the payphone, call in. They're like, what's going on? They're like, just sit there. He'll be there. So I'm sitting there. I'm I'm in there for two hours, just sitting at this gas station, waiting for the supervisor to show up. And he doesn't show up. And I just felt like, you know, 
God is, I felt like God was icing me. You know, he's like that this had never, ever happened before. Supervisors don't show up. I mean, they're paying me to sit there for do nothing. That never happened before. And I'm like, this has got to be God telling me to go register for seminary. And so the job actually happened to be, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes from the seminary. And, um, you know, I could have been in Colorado Springs. I could have been anywhere, but I was, you know, a short drive to the seminary. And I'm like, look at my watch. I'm like, registration's not over. And um, so, you know, the whole time this thing's eating at you. So then I shoot the seminary and register, quit my job. And, and, um, and then there we go. Another year, year and a half, I think it took me to finish or something like that. But yeah. So I, I mean, God was there. It was like, God's like, nope, I want you in seminary. And, um, wow. So. It was cool. It was cool. Little like faith building story. Yeah. Doesn't that go to show that you can make your choices, but God is going to direct your steps, right? There's that verse. Actually, I have it um, right back here. There's uh, one of my coworkers gave me that frame when I graduated from seminary. Uh, And actually the picture in it is my graduation day, my family at the time. Yeah. But it it has that verse on there that says, you know, a man, you know, makes his plans, but God directs his steps. And I was like, why? <laughs> because I want certain things. Right. But I, but so I had to go through all these things, but yeah, that sounds like that was your experience. God, God was leading you to seminary. What did you, what was that like for you? And what did you like learn? And how did you, you must've figured out how to pay for it. You weren't working anymore and you were able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, seminary was, it, it was a great experience. And, and I feel like, you know, you learn, like after you go to Bible school and you get to seminary, you're like, Hey, these people didn't go to Bible school. They don't know anything, you know, yeah. all your fellow students. And then you're like, you're like, uh, you're like, and you're taking new Testament survey and they gave me some advanced credit, but not, you know, not as much as I should have. I, I mean, but at the same time, you actually learn a depth of knowledge and you just grow deeper in your knowledge. And, um, um, and then I think, yeah, just wisdom and knowledge that just kind of the whole process of seminary just just was was a good process. And we had spiritual formation classes and and uh, mm. different different things of that nature. And you meet nice, you meet neat people, and and you know you interact, and there's just so many things that go on there. And and you learn the Bible. You know, I, I was always disappointed that I didn't dig into the Bible more. But you know, I didn't do MDiv. I did an MA. So okay, that, that's probably my my fault, not theirs. But uh, yeah. Um, um, so, and I love philosophy and I got to take some Doug Gutais classes. And, and so oh, wow. it was, and, uh, um, um, he, he Gordon was, Lewis was, he was there back then. Dr. Dr. G yeah, he's a, he's yeah, a previous he, guest of the show. Yeah. He just started and Yeah. He's very, we t- I took Pascal with him, a uh, place Pascal class, which was, I think he did his doctorate on plays, I believe, or something, something yep. of that nature. He, he was very informed on it. And so, um, yeah, so that that was exciting. Uh, Gordon Lewis was there and Gordon Lewis was a complete fan of, of Edward Carnell or John Edward Carnell, um, who was the former uh, president of of Fuller. But, um, yeah, and, and Carnell wrote a book, it's called, uh, Kingdom of God and the Pride of Life, I think. And, uh, yeah, an amazing little booklet and funny it's on, it's on, the death of Lazarus and he, you know, he uses that as the form. He has a lot of psychology in there. They were really into mixing psychology and theology back then when he wrote the book. And, um, but, and I've also read um, sickness unto death by uh, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, 
which is also about the death of Lazarus. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it's interesting. Kierkegaard takes, he like dissects everything to a, to a nth degree. <laughs> He's a very interesting read, but uh, yep. I read odd books. I, I, it's, it's kind of, it's just my, what things I enjoy. Well, but so that, but that speaks to something, right? Like you're, you're, yeah. you're enjoying the thoughts of other people who are also kind of meditating on something like the death of Lazarus and what it means that Jesus yeah. wept and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I enjoy them. You know, my one, my big weakness in ministry has always been my memory, you know, to be able to read, you know, like interesting um, um, Tim Keller was talking about, he's like, I, you know, I have to be humble. You know, God has gifted me with this great gift to be able to read things and remember what I read and be able to regurgitate it very well. <laughs> and, um, and like, yeah, I didn't get that gift. <laughs> right. I know. But I, I, yeah. I have friends who yeah. are like that and they can just remember everything and they'll quote movie lines at me. And I'm like, ah, that's not, okay. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I get that. But that's all right. So, talking about some more about you. So, you sounds like you really learned some depth at seminary. You got into scripture, got into some philosophy. Um, I love that, by the way, I mentioned D- Dr. Gerd Heiss, because like I said, he was a, a previous guest on the show. I'll link that in the yeah. show notes, friend, doc, Dr. G. Um, yeah, fascinating guy, but uh, he helped us wrestle with uh, lament, right, as a, as a, you know, spiritual practice. Um, yeah. So, so you go through all that, and that, that definitely shapes you, but then you ultimately return to uh, being an electrician. Yeah, um, that was in. We, so we were out. It was you, you like. Um, well, we were at Foothills Bible Church, and uh, you know they'd always said we're not going to hire you until you get married. <laughs> and, oh, wow. and so I got. I yeah. Um, and so I'd gotten married, and we applied for this job, and they didn't accept it. You know, and they hired somebody else, and um, which was fine. You know, things happen, and uh, the milieu right then probably wasn't healthy for me anyway. Um, so, um, I was just like, okay, God, what do you want? And, uh, and my friend, uh, Greg Fuchs calls me up and he says, Hey, do you want to come work at a new life church in Aurora? And I'm like, okay. You know, it was almost, I, I consider that I was called there cause I got a phone call <laughs> asking me to come work there. So it was a calling, yeah. <laughs> a literal calling. A literal so, call. so yeah. Yeah. So Anyway, we went out there and we were there for like, I think a year and a half, two years. I don't remember, maybe a little longer. Um, our first son was born and, um, but we, I had bought a house over here in, in Littleton and was remodeling it. And, and so I kind of was kind of setting my roots here and kind of already had our roots here and that's way out in Aurora. And so it came to the point where they wanted to hire a full-time youth pastor and now it's always tricky. You know, I'm always uncomfortable with their search positions. I'm like, Hey, wait, I'm here. You know, we're going to search for a full-time youth pastor. I'm like, really? You're not going to consider me first. <laughs> right. you know, it's like, I'm like, I'm like, this is going to be very awkward. You know, if you're cert- doing a youth pastor search and I'm here doing the youth, you know, the junior high youth work. Yep. So, uh, but anyway, we were, we worked that out and they did offer me the position well through, you know, I had to go through the board and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 
we kind of just made the decision to step out, you know, it, you know, it was, I think they were paying like 27,000 a year or something. Really. Oh my goodness. You know, it, it, yeah, it wasn't very much money. And I had to find, I had to move my whole, whole family to Aurora because there's no way I could have commuted. And um, so it's, it's just one of those things where I don't know if it was the right decision. Like even when I left Arvada Covenant Church, um, you know, part of ministry, I mean, if, if people want to be in ministry, grow where you're planted, you know, and, and try to get a place and just kind of, you don't leave one place until you have another place to go to those kind of, you know, those kind of simple rules, but, and that's ministry is, it is, there are rules, you know, to be in ministry. And if you break the rules, it, it's not as easy for you. And so, so that's, um, so, but yeah. And so stepping out and then, then I started volunteering at different churches. And so that's been that's so that was the direction that we decided to go and and have money for my family and stuff and we just anyway it's long story but yeah well so i'm interested in that because you know i think one of the things that we get a lot at least i did growing up was that the real spiritual work quote unquote is being in ministry or working at the church right promoting teaching yeah. the bible or being a missionary or whatever you, you know, whatever you want, uh, to do. And I certainly was affected, uh, by that. And, but here's really just living a faithful life for Christ is kind of a ministry of its own. We should have talked about that more. So how did that, yeah. was it a hard decision for you to say, okay, I'm not going to be in professional ministry anymore. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do, you know, business as an electrician. Yeah, I mean, I think it became harder as it went along, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of relate the story that, you know, I say a lot of negative things and I'm like, dang, I'm just too negative, you know. But um, we got involved in the church and um, and so we, were, I was helping out, you know, I just really dive in, you know, like ex pastor kind of ex, I don't know if it's really a thing, but, yeah, you know, you're diving into ministry, helping, helping this guy out, you know, that's doing the pastor work and, and, and then probably don't want to reveal, I don't want to be too negative on the church, but the church is like, Oh, your youth group's not good enough for us. And, and so we're going to bring in a, uh, a consultant to help you make a better youth group. Well, it, it actually was really a weird experience in the sense that, that uh, the consultant blamed a lot of the negativity of the youth group on me and and um i'm like uh because i was helping so much you know <laughs> and then it, it was strange it, it i wouldn't have cared that much but this consultant was a friend of mine we'd, we'd meet like once every couple months you know and talk he was a fellow youth pastor you know fellow seminary guy and and he he like calls me up one night and he just starts like attacking me and uh and that, that was wow. after they had a meeting after they had a meeting that said, you know, that was telling me all the bad, all the things that I was doing wrong. I'm like, oh, this is weird. And he calls me up one night and he's like, and he's trying to get me to say that I want Mark's job. You know, I want to take over the youth group. I shouldn't. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, he, uh, he then goes on and I won't, I'm like, I don't even know what he's talking about. You know, I'm just like clueless. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to help Mark as much as I can. And it, you know, and, and then in the sense that, um, he goes, uh, 
And then he just comes right out and says, you know, you're just a washed up youth pastor trying to take over, you know, the job. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I mean, that hurt. You know, you know, I'm trying to be a Christian guy. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to cuss at him. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right? You know, you know, maybe I'm like, you should have. Sounds like you yeah, needed some of that. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, you know, we're kind of friends now and stuff. So it's it's fine. It's well, it's been like 20 years, so or maybe not quite, but. Yeah, but it, at that time, you know, that really hurt and that really sent me in a kind of a tailspin. So it's it's interesting, but I don't mind the tailspin. I mean, like God, God does amazing things, you know, wherever you are, like whether I'm, you know, trying to find a wife or, you know, trying to find a job or, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not in youth work or whatever I am. It's like the tailspins are good. It's times of searching and and just finding God or losing God and finding him again or, you know, whatever wherever you're at, I guess. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. So that, so I'm just going to pick up on what you said there, put you into a tailspin. Tell me about that and how, and you know, I'm interested in how that, where that led you particularly spiritually and your, your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. So one of the things I was going to say about whenever, you know, I'm in youth work and, you know, you've got to prepare a sermon every week, you know, and, and you're praying all the time, you know, and stuff. And you're like, you always have that little, you know, in the back of your mind, I'm like, am I just doing this because it's my job or am I doing this because I love Jesus, you know, and that's always like bothering me, you know, and so not having a youth pastor job was kind of enticing, like I can focus on the Lord without this, these issues, without this issue. In that sense, when, when, when that happened, that situation happened, I'm like, I was just done, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm done reading the Bible, I'm done, you know. I'm, you know, I'm just going to wear whatever God wants to tell me. He can tell me whatever he wants, you know? And it's like, and so it throughout my whole life, like starting with my senior year in high school, I'd tried to, I've kind of got legalistic and trying to come up, you know, Bill Gothard, you know, yeah. <laughs> trying to come up with a list of sins. And like, I went through the whole new Testament, wrote down all the sins that you can't do and all the things you should do. And, you know, and, um, and, and, and just, you know, experiences that I had that just like, you know, you fail and then you're depressed and you're just disappointed in yourself and you, you're having all of these experiences. And, and like, you know, when the thing of the church happened, I'm like, ah, I know enough about the Bible. I know all those sins. I don't need the Bible. I don't need the Bible anymore. telling me what I'm doing wrong anymore. And, and, um, and actually I was still teaching, you know, volunteering, teaching youth group. And I'm like, I know enough about the Bible to, to teach these kids. I mean, what they don't ask that hard questions, you know, so, <laughs> so you know, and, and I'm pretty good at small groups, you know, so I can wing it pretty well. And, and, and it's kind of one of those things that where I drifted away and then I don't want to make, you know, a hero out of Aaron Budgen, but, you know, Aaron Budgen uh, does a radio ministry on grace. And, and, um, and so I, I started listening to him. I, he, he enticed me because he has this intriguing thing about you know, what about the three days and three nights, you know, and his solution to the three days and three nights in the, you know, in the grave. And, and I'm like, yeah, I like the way he thinks. And so I started listening to him and I was probably listened to every one of his talks <laughs> at that time. Wow. You know, and, and it, it's kind of, it's embarrassing, but it's like, it was eight years, you know, I'm listening to him. I'm like doing some of my own research, you know, just kind of eight years to kind of just come to a point where, I kind of changed my whole paradigm about, about salvation and sanctification. And so 
and then eventually that led to my book and, and that's mainly what it's about but yeah. yes but but so well so i liked the period of time i don't know if that makes sense yeah well so that's great i and i think it's really important and i want our friends listening to take note of that because you had this really negative experience where the church you know basically threw you out i don't know, I don't know how you want to say that but like yeah they, they were really aggressive with you um it was overpower which is irritating in yeah. many ways but god used that to then take you and develop you it's much like i think uh moses in the wilderness right he goes out into the wilderness and spends for it another 40 years just kind of being yeah. and tending to the sheep and learning to maybe you know walk with god in a brand new way which i think is super important um so it sounds like you really some a lot of your discipleship came in that season when you felt like maybe this isn't where you expected to be, but God was teaching yeah. teaching you. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's been um, <clears throat> it's interesting. Yeah, we still we went to a small church up here in Indian Hills and and stayed there for a while, and it was there like sixteen years or something like that. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think. Yeah, it's just time God teaching me and and you know trying to figure out where He wants he wants me to go and yeah what He wants me to do and and it's it's funny though like when you're in a church you're almost obligated to be something and believe something that sometimes isn't true you know what I mean it's sometimes just not the whole story and and. Wow. And I mean, there are some idiosyncrasies about churches and and different denominations that probably aren't aren't fully, you know, not people believe things that aren't fully biblical. I mean, they're biblical to a extent, but maybe God meant it a little bit different way. And and how we practice Christianity. Yeah. So, well, there's so much about so, hermeneutic, how we interpret things, and then how we yeah. apply things. Right. That that just get bent a little bit um based on I mean our... everything's everything's allegorical that you disagree with and everything's literal <laughs> that you agree with. Right. And then you <laughs> and then you accuse the other side of doing the same thing, which is yeah, fantastic. Exactly. I love that. Well okay. So uh so you you've recently written a book and you want to kind of get that out there. Like tell tell me what you're trying to accomplish with uh resurrecting the cross. Because that's kind of a provocative title. I've been writing like little notes here and there. And I did the worst process process ever of writing a book is starting from notes and then trying to put them all together. You know, the easiest process is start from an outline and then, you know, working through the outline. Right. But so I wrote this like, I don't know, 600 page book theory of everything, you know, book. And I'm like, I'm like, this is fun and I enjoy it, but I'm not an expert on any of these things. And so, so I'm like, what, what do I kind of feel like that, that I have to share and that the guy wants me to share. And then that comes, you know, boiling it down to salvation and sanctification, because I just spent eight years talking about salvation with Aaron Budgen or working on that. And then, you know, then the process of sanctification is, is included in that. And so, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I felt like God was, was directing me in that. So, so then I spent another couple of years trying to figure out how to, how to craft a book. And, and um, so it's, it's, it's been a process, but you know, really, being out of ministry for 25 years, it was an amazing process. Even, you know, the 600 page book was an amazing process to try to say, what do I believe? You know, and, and it's kind of a, 
a real transition period, even that whole eight years is like, not what I've been taught, but mm -hmm. what do I think the Bible's saying? What do I believe, you yeah. know, interacting with different authors of the past and present. So that's a tough, because, you know, you come out of seminary, you're just teaching what you've been taught. And so it's like, for the most part, and, and so to, to go through that transition, like, you know, what are my beliefs and, and your, my beliefs get me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> so, like what? Give me an so, example. Well, you know, I'm, I was very privileged to read um, Andy Stanley's book, Irresistible. Yeah. Because, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel so alone. I felt like, yeah, there's a big, there's a big wig that kind of thinks, you know, that the old covenant is dead and the new covenant and we live by the oh, new sure. covenant. Yeah. And so, but you know, there's smaller people like um, Andrew Farley and, and Aaron Budgen, obviously, and, and, and quite a few. And then there's a bunch of other people that are, you know, that are new grace. And I'm not fully on board with some of their beliefs. Like sometimes this, um, complete identity in Christ. I mean, I believe in, you know, your identity is in Christ, but I don't think he eradicates us either. So, you, you know, they kind of like, like, be a little careful about that. I, I mean, it, yeah, there's language that we use, right. Which is one of my hobby horses. Cause I, yeah. like I was saying earlier today uh, on a different episode that so often we're sort of the evangelical tradition I grew up in is closet. We're closet Gnostics, right? Like we, yeah. we, we believe that the physical is bad and the spiritual is good. And that's just not biblical at all. <laughs> That's that's yeah. the opposite of a kingdom view. And so uh there you're right. I hear you talking about all those there's a lot of those little nuances to things. If we just need to keep the yeah. kingdom of God that Jesus talked about in perspective in order to stay yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so that's where like uh, I will butt heads like sometimes, like I was reading even a little blurb about dominion theology and the king and West bring ushering in the kingdom here on earth and I'm a, I'm a little nervous about that because we've done a real bad job at that in the past in in the past couple of centuries yeah. or millennia. So, True enough. So I'm like, I'm like, are we really going to do a better job now? I mean, those guys weren't that bad of people, you know. And it's like, uh, but so, but uh, the main thing is sanctification, like, and, and it's complicated. It's like I compare it to the meat and the milk. So the milk is okay, I come to Jesus and now I want to be a good person. And I start, you know, cleaning up my life and stuff, you know, and I try to find rules in the Bible to help me clean up my life and, you know, just methods and rules and good things to do. But the, but the meat is we live by the spirit. Right. And so, and so the Jesus in the new covenant and the new covenant only has one command and that's to love one another as he loved us. And, and so even, even still saying, love your neighbor, you know, as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, that's still the law. And so it's, it's hard to like, well, how is that still the law? And it's like, it, it's, it's comp. It, so when you get into the meat, it's like, you're following the spirit. And, and a lot of the process I go through is like, if you have any law left in you, that gives you a reason to judge someone else, because you've accomplished this law, or or whatever rule it is. And now the other person is not doing that. And so there's a dichotomy between you and them at that point. Totally. So, 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 but the law of love by the spirit is something where God is guiding us, you know, in a daily walk. Like the, the thing about the law, when it says the law is powerless, the law can't teach you to love. It can tell you what's not love. And it can tell you maybe some things about loving God, you know, maybe you could kill a couple of animals, you know, to make him happy. <laughs> I, right. I don't know. You know, there, a lot of people have different views about that, the sacrificial system, but, um, but in the sense that it's not, it's more of a negative kind of thing than a positive. It's not like, 
you know, it doesn't really tell you how to love your wife. It just tells you what not to, you know, don't cheat on her. I'm like, okay, good. That's good. Glad I know that. Now what do I do? Right. You know? Yes. So. But that's the process of sanctification, isn't it? Is learning those things and discovering and getting into it. Yeah. 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 And so I kind of really dive into that in the, in the book. And so, and that's what I'm trying to do is I'd like to see the people like, you know, in church is funny. Like one week they'll talk about grace. Yay. Grace. And next week they'll have obey my law and you will be blessed and, and, you know, disobey my law and you'll be cursed. I'm like, how do you put those two together? So to me, that's, I used to call it the tear and repair ministry, you know, and that's, you know, sewing a new patch on an old garment, you know, it shrinks and tears. Yeah. So it's like when, when we talk too much about sin, we're participating in the tear and repair. Like I have a lot of like little cliches. I say like, you know, this is and, and I, these are heartfelt. I'm like, I feel like sometimes in the church, we give just enough love to keep people around and just enough judgment to tear them down, you know? So right. it's almost like it, it feels like an abusive relationship to me. You know, it's like, you know, that's, that's abuse when you love someone just enough so they won't leave, but you know, tell them what they're doing wrong. So, you know, it's like, anyway, so. Amen. Hey, you're, speaking, you're <laughs> preaching to the choir. Yeah. Ernest. I wholeheartedly agree with that because I, th- yeah. I think it is true. And here's the reality uh, God loves us. You can't earn it because not because you're bad, but because it's given freely. And that's, that's completely yeah. different. And it matters how we talk about it. Friends matters. All right. So people can find your book. Once again, it's called resurrecting the cross. Uh, I've got links at halfway there, as well as to your website. Um, and it, people can find that and get, get there, get all that, uh, all, all access to you through there. Um, is there anything earnest that you want to leave us with? Um, no, I, I think, you know, the, one of the things I emphasize in my book is that we live the way of the cross and the way of the cross. It, a lot of Christians think that Christ came to end suffering, but that's not what he came to do at all. He came to teach us to endure suffering for the sake of love. And, and I think when you understand the way of the cross, it changes your whole mindset. You know, that, that it's not about enduring suffering or ending war or any of those kind of things. It's about, it's not about ending suffering. It's, it's about enduring suffering for the sake of love, being willing to. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, a, that's a life-changing concept that, that, that Christians should, should look at, you know, and should think about. So, amen, amen. Yeah. I think we get it crossways a little bit too when we think more about the judgment than we think about the love, right? Enduring suffering yeah. for the yeah. sake of love. That was really well said. Thanks, Ernest. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.